Um, so we have one week from now, Lagba Omer. Lagba Omer, a great holiday, and we want to be able to connect to that holiday. And the way to connect to that holiday is to first understand what was the Hurbun that preceded Kalsal are currently in a state of Avelus, of not taking haircuts, not listening to music. There was a Hurbun that the Gemara describes that the whole world was Mishtomeim, was desolate. And uh, then Lagba Omer is obviously going to be a Tzikun, a rectification to that Hurbun. But you know, if we want to appreciate the Tzikun that's going to be happening on Lagba Omer, we should first take time now to appreciate the Omer, the Avelus that took place before that. Why? What? How? So we start with the Gemara in Yivamus, a famous Gemara. The Gemara says that Rabbi Akiva had 12,000 pairs of Talmidim. And all of them died during this period from Pesach to Atzeres. And not only that, but they died a terrible death called Askara. Um, translated now maybe as, as a diphtheria, as um, a sealing of the oral passage from the mouth down to the stomach area. Rabbi Akiva was Mekayim the Posik that even if a person planted seeds in the, in the youth, in the morning plant your seed, and the evening don't stop working with it. So Rabbi Akiva went, and he found himself five Talmudim, Rabbi Sainu and through those five Talmudim, the entire Masora, the Torah Shabalpeh, continued. And like many of Fortune point out, that all the major bodies of oral Torah that we have, come through these Talmudim. Obviously, step number one to understand is, these people, these 12,000 pairs of Talmudim that were that died, these were not regular people. These were Anakim, these were giants, these were pillars of the world, so much so that the Gemara describes that when, when they left the world, the, the world was left almost without a Torah. The, the, the whole world trembled. It was a shmama. It was a desolate. So these were the people that were the people in possession of the Torah. These were these were very 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 high level people. So whatever we're going to say about them, we're talking about a dakus of a dakus. Very 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 fine that we know that Hashem judges those that are closer to Him very strictly, Sara. So, whatever we're going to say, we have to understand, not to Shalom, drag them down into something that we can understand, but rather elevate our understanding that we can be, should be able to relate to them a little bit. Nonetheless, clearly, the Gemara says, why did this happen? They did not treat one another with respect, with honor. And that's something that has to be understood. How did this thing happen? Such a hurban, such a destruction. What was it? How? Why? Of course, it has to be learned from. Step number one 
is understanding what exactly they did. So the Midrash, Barashas Rabbah, says, brings almost the identical story that we have over here in the Gemara and Yivamas, with one tiny caveat of a difference that will hopefully open up the whole sugya for us. It says, what did they do that, they, that this happened? They had a tsar eye for one another. They had a narrow eye for one another. Which means, when I see someone doing superficially an action of Lonogu or, or something else, I don't always know for why this is happening. So the Midrash is revealing to us, obviously the Midrash is not coming to argue on the Gemara, both of them are almost word for word, identical, rather the Midrash is giving us a, a different facet of understanding of what happened. The Gemara is telling us what ha- externally what actually happened, there was a lack of covet, there was a lack of honor in the conduct, and the Midrash is telling us what was happening in their hearts, What's happening in their hearts was there was a tsarayim. There was a what tsarayim? So Maral in the Siv Ayin Tov explains that Ayin Tov means that I see the greatness in you. I want to see you take that greatness and bring it out. I want to see you be successful. I want I want to see this uniqueness that you have come out into the world. Tsarayin is the opposite. Tsarayin is I only see the superficiality of you. I don't get you. I don't appreciate you. And therefore, I'm not looking to see you be successful. Now, why would this be a particular challenge to the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva? It's an obvious thing. When the Gemara tells us that there were 12,000 pairs of Talmudim, Number one, anyone listening understands that if the Gemara wanted to say 24,000, it would have said 24,000. If it says 12,000 pairs, it means there's 12,000 pairs. It would come in to tell you something. It's an odd way to talk. It, it wasn't, it wasn't 8,000 you know, 8, 8, 8, 8, times 3, and it wasn't 6 times 4, right? We're, it, if we're not telling you 24,000... It means there's something special about the number 12. And there was 12,000 pairs of Talmudim. That's number one. Number two is, of course, whenever Chazal give us such numbers as 12,000 pairs, the likelihood that this number was exact in, in, in counting, that the historians of the time would have told you that that, that, that was the number, uh, that's, not, that's not the way of Chazal. That's not the way Chazal communicated. Chazal is not coming to tell you a history lesson as to how many people actually passed away. They're coming to use numbers as a mode of explaining what's happening, as a mode of communication. So, Kiyadua, Maral always explains that 12 is not a simple number. Obvious places we see number 12 is the 12 Shvatim. And 12 Shvatim have a very important Gemara about them. The Gemara Psachim and Daphnud Vav tells a story of how the Shvatim came to their father Yaakov in the end of his life. And Yaakov, who had been planning to reveal the end of days, had the Shina depart from him. And he was concerned that one of them, perhaps not kosher, there's something going on, something's not right, something, something is amiss. And so they said to him, Shema Yisrael Saba. Listen to our Father. The same way that Hashem is one in your heart, He's one in our hearts. And obviously all that preamble seems to be superfluous. All you have to tell me is, why do you have to compare the way that Hashem is one in Yaakovina's heart to the way He's one in your hearts? Just tell me straight. Just tell me, we believe in one God. Listen to our Father. Hashem Echad. Why Why have that preamble of just like he's one in your heart? So, Maral, a number of places, explains the reason is because 12 is essentially a number of divisiveness. 12 
we know the, the numbers, of course, are an expression of the world we live in. One is one, be, because that's, in the physical world where I am, so one has a certain meaning to it, and two and three and four, and we could, we could go through it, we have gone through the numbers. Twelve, if you take a three-dimensional world, which we live in, so three dimensions results in six directions, means the four directions, east, west, south, north, and up-down, that's six directions, that's basically just taking the three poles, the x-axis, the y-axis, and the z-axis, those are the three dimensions, taking those three poles, and understanding that each one of those poles has two extreme ends on it, so that's the six directions. That's why a standard object, which does not mix directions, meaning it's a pure object, that each of its sides is only in one of those directions, is a cube, so a cube has one side that is can be labeled as the east side, one is the west side, one is the south, one is the north, one is top as one is down. So it has a side corresponding to each one of these po- to each one of these extremes, which means it's a perfect representation of a three-dimensional world. So this cube, if we look at it a little bit more carefully, we discover that this cube actually has six edges to it. It has, so the cube has six edges to it, which means, sorry, it, it, it has six sides, I apologize, it has six sides, the cube, which means it has 12 edges. Um, you can count them quickly. We have, I mean, 12 lines that make up, if you draw a cube, you're going to be drawing 12 lines. We have four lines along the top plane, we have four lines along the bottom plane, and then we have four vertical lines connecting those two squares. And there's a square at the top that's four lines, square in the bottom is another four line that's eight, and then four lines connecting them, that's twelve. So there are twelve edges that make up a cube, which means it's a deeper look at, at our three-dimensional world. Our three-dimensional world seems to break up into six sides, six parts, six days of the week, but on a deeper analysis, it breaks up into 12. So the 12 is essentially encapsulates all the different options this world has to offer. It's like the way if you're going to cut this world like a diamond, you would cut it with 12 facets to it, or more correctly, maybe six facets, like we said, meaning a cube. (coughs) But it has to it 12 edges. So each one of those represents a particular viewpoint. And therefore, the Shvatim were essentially set up to be misnagged to one, one to another. They were going to be oppositional to one, one to another because, because they, are, they are different. The worldview that I have is not the worldview that you have. And so the only way that these 12 could somehow resolve that opposition and instead of being at odds, like it started out with Yosef being sold into slavery, but rather coming together is the recognition that they are all the sons of one man, of Yaakov Avinu. And we're going to see that take place again over here, where there are 12,000 pairs of Talmidim that passed away during this time, that means that, that we're being told over here that the 12 is, there's a divisiveness. And that works, of course, very well with what we said earlier, that you have a situation of Tsar Ein. Tsar Ein means, I don't get you, I don't appreciate you, and I'm not looking to see you express your greatness. Because it's actually something that is, seems to be different and opposite of what I'm looking to express. Which means each Havrusashaft, not only were the two of them on polar opposites of every line, meaning the, the line itself, there's 12 lines, but each line has two opposite sides to that line. That's 
the argument that was happening between the Chavrusa Shaft, but then each Chavrusa Shaft couldn't appreciate all the other Chavrusa Shafts. And that's, that was that was the cause of the Tsar Ayin. We're talking about great people, big tzaddikim, each one with a unique path in Avodos Hashem, each one with a unique path in Talmud Torah, each one picking up the Torah of his Rebbe, of Rebbe Akiva, in his own unique way, and therefore not being able to appreciate the Torah of his Haverim. That's the Tsarain, and therefore this Tsarain that they had manifests itself in a lack of covered Zebazet. Pause for a minute for any questions. Okay. Now, a quick aside, not to go into it right now, but of course, it's not by coincidence that this happened during the Tkufa, between Pesach and Shavuos. Pesach and Shavuos is the time that we begin, Pesach is Yitzhak Mitzrayim, we leave Mitzrayim, and now we begin the preparation, we begin the count-up, the build-up towards the Kabbalah Torah. And that Kabbalah Torah, when, when it means the build-up, is that there is more and more preparation. If there is something that I tell you have to prepare for so much, it means it's going to be a very high-intensity thing. It's, it's a it's a unbelievable covered that's going to be happening. We're going up to the 50th level. We know that Haman built a scaffold that was 50 amos tall to destroy Mordechai. 50 is a place of tremendous power. It's the place from where spirituality comes. It's seven is fullness, full full cycle in this world. Seven times seven is a full cycle of full cycles. And then when you leave that, that's, and you leave that 49, and you go up to the 50th, then you're talking about going to a very, very high place. So if you're trying to go to such a very high place, then there has to be, there has to be covered zealous. There has to be honor one to the other. And Maral points out that the 32 days that passed up until Lagba Omer is Gematria covered. 32. So it means that the first 32 days of building up towards Kabbalah Torah has to be that number one, I understand that there's very, very great things, there's very, very powerful things here. I have to understand how I walk and how I talk and what I do. Like Nadav and Avihu learned, we just had Parshish Achrei Mos, that we understand that a person, if he's going to the Kodesh HaKadoshim, has to be very much aware of what's happening. And there is a high bar. Now, and it's not by coincidence, specifically the Talmud of Rabbi Akiva. We mentioned that Rabbi Akiva had these 12,000 pairs of Talmudim, which means that it was every facet of his Torah was being expressed through these Talmudim. Rabbi Akiva, like the Gemara Menachos, tells the story, that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to the heavens to receive the Torah, he saw Hashem tying crowns to the Torah. And he asked Hashem, what are these for? So Hashem said, there's going to come a man who's going to darshan these crowns, and he's going to learn out halachas from these crowns. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I want to see him. So Hashem let him see a shear from Rabbi Akiva to these Talmidim, to these rows and rows and rows of Talmidim he was teaching. And the halachas that Rabbi Akiva was teaching were so unbelievable and so blew Moshe Rabbeinu's mind, the Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, that the Torah should be given through him, not through me. So Hashem said, Shtok, be quiet, this is, this is how I decided. But of course we understand that if the Gemara is retelling the story, it wasn't just a silly mistake on Moshe Rabbeinu's part. Not for now, but Kemuvan, it means that Moshe Rabbeinu was Mechavan, that there is going to be a Matan Torah through Rabbi Akiva. It's not going to be the Nisina Satora Shebeksav 
the giving over of the written Torah, and of course the oral tradition that accompanied it, that would, that would be done by by Moshe Rabbeinu, but the explosion, the revelation, of course, everything Rabbi Kiva taught, like in that very Gemara, at the end of the year, he says, and this is all Halacha Moshe Misinai, but the unpacking, the, the full blasting open of the oral Torah, that was done by Rabbi Akiva, and that was the second Kabbalah Torah, Meaning Rabbi Akiva and his Talmudim were on their journey to the Kabbalos HaTorah Shebaal Peh. And therefore, there was this tremendous need to be Kishichad, Belevechad, to be absolutely unified, to be absolutely one. And when there was a lag in that, so there couldn't be this Kabbalos HaTorah. So, so, so it was a the whole thing blew up. The whole thing destroyed. Got destroyed. That's why the din was during the period between Pesach and Shavuos, and that's why the din was specifically on the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva. Now, the Gemara in Shabbos and Daf Lamed Gimel Lamed Base. Tells a fascinating story. There was there Rabbi Yehuda, one of the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva from the five of the Rabbi Shabbatarim, was Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi was the Talmud of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yossi Bar Chalafta, this was his son Rabbi Lazar, and Rabbi Shimon. So, we have here a representation of the three Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva. One of them is uh, being represented by his son, Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Yossi, who is known throughout Shas to say things directly from, from his father's name. He's a mouthpiece for his father. And they were asked the following question. Why do people die of Askara? Rabbi Yehuda answered, That they die from it because of Lashon Hara. Asker, like we mentioned, is a disease, diphtheria, where the disease begins in the mouth and goes down the oral passageway. It's a, considered the most terrible death. So, Rabbi Huda said it's because, it's because of Lashon Hara. That's why, that's why it's in the mouth. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Yossi, said it's because they eat things that are that are tmeim, that are not kosher. And Rabbi Shimon said because of Bittal Torah. So first of all, is it's an interesting machlekas to to have. Why do people die of this of this terrible disease? But per, perhaps a more penetrating question is you're talking about you're talking to the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva, the second batch of Talmudim from Rabbi Akiva. You're talking to Rabbi Shimon, to Rabbi Yehuda, and to the son of Rabbi Yossi. And you're asking them, why do people die of Askara? After 12,000 pairs of Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva died from Askara? That's not a, a coincidence. It's not an innocent question. It's not a medical question. This is, this is you're getting right into the kishkas of it. Step number one is what we have to understand, as we already mentioned, that Rabbi Akiva and his Talmudim were going to receive the Torah, a second Kabbalah, a Torah, Kabbalah Shabbal Peh, it's not for now to go into, Moshe Pira, Zechitzadik Levrocha, built out the Shir, Karoi, but then all 12,000 pairs of Talmudim died during this period, and then the Gemara says that on Lagba Omer, they stopped dying. And that's why we're going to be celebrating. We're going to be celebrating. And the Velus ends on Lagba Omer because, because, because they stopped dying. Ask the, pre, ask the Pre-Chodesh, 
What's the big celebration? What's the happiness over here? Of course they stopped dying. You know why they stopped dying? Because they all died. There was none more of them to die. They all died out. So what's the celebration? He, he explains that it must be that there was the Xera was not against specifically those Talmudim, but the Xera was a Xera on the, all the Talmudim of Akiva. Similar to the way that the Vilna Gaon explains why Tuba'av is a happy day. And we say one of the reasons is because the Dora Midbar stopped dying. The people in the desert who had a decree against them to be in the desert for four years until they die, so they stopped dying. What do you mean they stopped dying? They stopped dying because they all died. Every single one of them died. So where's the celebration? So the Golan explains that it means that there was a decree against Klausrow. It wasn't against any particular individual. The decree was against Klausrow. Klausrow was going to die in the Midbar. And then that decree was lifted after 40 years. I mean, it's a different way to look at it. So too over here, there was a decree against Rabbi Akiva's Torah. Rabbi Akiva's Torah was so great that it couldn't be brought down properly, it was divided, and so, there was a decree against the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, that the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva will not be, will, will not live. So therefore, in Lagba Omer, the, when this decree was lifted, and even though, from the original group, of 12,000 pairs, there were none left, but there, but we have, Rabbi Akiva started a new pair, Rabbi Seyni and these were them. So they were being asked now. now. Now the whole question takes on a whole different tone. The, 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 the new Talmud of Rabbi Akiva are being approached and they're being asked. You are stepped into the hot seat. You stepped into the place of people who all died from Askara. So tell me, how do you understand it? How are you guarding yourself? How are you making sure that the same, you're not going to suffer the same fate that they did? And so the answers that are being given here are not theoretical answers, they're not medical answers, they're not answers that they read in, in, in journals or heard from somebody. This is the answer that each one of them is telling you, this is what I live by. I understand that this is what my life depends on. So we're going to have to take a closer look at this machlaikas that we're having between Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, and Rabbi, Aki, uh, and Rabbi Shimon. Again, Rabbi Yehuda says it's Lashon Hara. Rabbi Yossi's son said it was for eating not kosher food. And Rabbi Shimon said it for Bittal Torah. Now, of course, as we mentioned earlier, these are the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva we're talking about. The Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva certainly didn't eat any non-kosher food. And we can safely assume that they didn't speak Lashon Hara either. But on some level, there must be a representation, a spiritual representation that these things stand for that would help us understand why there was a lack of honor between them and that lack of honor stemmed from a lack of appreciation of the other person. Obviously, each one of these Tanoim is going to have a different take on what that was and how to fix it. So, the Gemara right there in Shabbos tells another story about these three rabbis. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, and Rabbi Shimon. The three of them were sitting with a simple Jew. His name was Yehuda ben Gerim. His parents were gay, his parents were converts. And I'm not sure how he was in their company, but for whatever reason, he was with these three Torah giants. Pasach Rabbi Yehuda of Omar. Rabbi Yehuda began the conversation, he said the following, how pleasant are the actions of the Romans. Look at everything they do. They build these wonderful marketplaces, they build bridges, they build bathhouses, 
Rabbi Yossi was quiet. And Rabbi Shimon said everything that they do, they do for themselves. The bathhouses they do for their own physical pleasures. The marketplaces they do to generate unnecessary business involvement. We won't go into that right now. And the bridges they make, they do to collect taxes. Somehow or another, Yehuda, the son of Gerim, maybe told his parents what he heard. His parents, being Gerim, maybe told a friend of theirs who was not Jewish. It got back to the government, to the Roman government. And so they made a decree. They said, Yehuda, meaning Rabbi Yehuda, who spoke positively about us, he's going to be Rosh HaMedabrim called Mokom. He's going to be the head speaker in every assembly. Whenever there's going to be a Jewish assembly, he's going to be the first one to speak. He's going to be the chief rabbi of Israel. Yossi, who stayed quiet, indicating that he had nothing positive to say, he's going to be exiled, exiled to Tzipori, to a tiny town in the north part of Israel. And Shimon, who spoke against us, is going to be killed. And that's, we know the rest of the story, which we will, Bezer Hashem, discuss on Lag Baomer itself, of Rabbi Shimon and his son, Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon, fleeing to a cave, and everything that happened after that. But in the meantime, the Marsha asks a penetrating question on this Gemara. He says, how can, how can such a thing be? The Gemara in the beginning of the Masechus of Odozara says that lost Lavo in the future, the Romans, the Western culture, the one that we live under, will come and they'll say to Hashem, we deserve a reward in the next world. Look at everything we did. We built marketplaces, we built bridges, we built bathhouses, exactly the same thing that Rabbi Yehuda is saying right here. And Hashem will answer back to them exactly what Rabbi Shimon said. Fools! If you would have done all these things for the Jewish people, you would have had, you would have had a big reward. You indeed would have. But instead, everything you did, you did for yourselves. So you can have nothing. So says the Marsha, how in the world could Rabbi Yehuda be saying this thing well, this is going to be the mistaken view of the Goyim, as revealed to us in the Gemara of Odozara. Seemingly, Rabbi Shimon is 100% right. There's no question Rabbi Yossi stayed quiet because he understood that there's walls have ears. But how, how could Rabbi Huda say this? And Perhaps we'll add that it is difficult to say that Rabbi Yehuda was put on the spot, that he was just defending himself so the Romans shouldn't come after him. The Gemara says pretty clearly that he opened up and said, meaning no one pulled his tongue. He went and he said it. He, he, he volunteered this praise of the Romans in a situation where seemingly he could have just stayed quiet, you know, just ch- change the topic, change the conversation, you know, um, talk about something else. How do we understand this? So, perhaps we'll try to understand this with a Gemara that is equally or even more difficult to understand. The Gemara in Gittin enumerates the praises of different Chachamim. And we're going to focus in on the praises of these three Chachamim, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, and Rabbi Shimon. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda, you know what his praise is? Chacham He's a Chacham when he wants to be. Rabbi Yossi, Nimuko Imo, his depth is with him. And Rabbi Shimon grinds a lot and brings out only the cleanest. He brings out only the flower. So, Rabbi Shimon sounds like a praise, sounds like he, he 
takes a lot of information, Torah is compared to grain, to wheat, he, he processes it, he processes it, um, and, then, and then in the end he, he brings out the cleanest, the purest of it all, like, uh, like Rabbi Shimon says, uh, come learn my Torah, because my Torah is the truma of the truma of the words of Rabbi Akiva, it is, the, is, the, is the cleanest of the clean, the purest of the pure, okay, so that sounds like a praise. Rabbi Yossi, Nimuko Imo, his depth is with him. And what would I expect? That his depth is with someone else? Or that someone else's depth is with him? I mean, you want to tell me he's deep? Okay, so tell me he's deep. His depth is with him. Nimuko Imo, what does that mean? Of course his depth is with him. It's his. That's strange, that's a strange praise. But... The, 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 the real zinger over here is Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda is praised as being a chacham l'kishi He's a chacham when he wants to be. And when he doesn't want to be, what is he? A fool? You're talking about Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda bar Eloi. One of the five talmud of Rabbi Akiva. And he's a chacham when he wants to be? Yeah, it's like something you say about a, about a, a third grade, uh, you, know, you, get, you get a report card for your kid from school and it says, the, 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 this child um, can be smart w- when he wants to, when he tries. Okay, but you know, but sometimes he's lazy and he doesn't really try. So, is that what you're saying about Rabbi Huda? It's a, it's a, it's a pella. So, um, spoken about this before at the. Solar eclipse a few years ago. Not going to go into it right now, but Kemuvan, all the words of the Chachamim. Whenever we learn the words of Chazal, we have to be careful not to make a mistake. Chazal are never telling us the words of the Chachamim are not coming to tell us what's called the Siba Hakrova. Rather, they're coming to tell us the Siba Harohoka. What does that mean? It means. There's always an immediate cause for something, and then there's the more original causes. Original, I mean, the, the original causes Hashem to everything. But, but if I want to be wise, I want to understand, you know, something that was five steps back, six steps back, maybe ten steps back from what I'm seeing right now in front of me, so that I can understand the root cause of what's happening over here. Which means to say, if someone tells me, hey, you know, I'll tell you, um, you, you should hire me as your business consultant. I'll tell you why Amazon is very successful. And I say, okay, why? Well, because they have tremendous volume. They, 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 they just have, they have so many customers, tremendous volume. That's why they're so successful. So I say, okay, you, you failed the interview, right? Is that, that Every fool knows that. Right? What I want to know is, how do they get that volume? That's what I want to know. I want to know one step, one, two, three steps before that. That's what I really want to know. So it means, the ain't derech hachomim. It is not the way of wise people to give the immediate cause, the obvious cause. The reason why he's rich is because because uh, he started a big company and he sold it. That's that's obvious, right? So the chacham digs deep. That's why sometimes the words of chachamim are difficult to relate to because you don't seem to understand them at first. No, that's not the reason why the solar eclipse is not because people people do avayers. No, the solar eclipse is because of the movement of the of the, of the moon and 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 the, and the sun and the planets. So, uh, of course, uh, thank you. That that that's uh, that's obvious, right? Chachamim uh, coming to tell you the reason for that. So, according to that, we can understand that when Rabbi Yehuda is described as being a chacham lekeshiyirtsa, it means Rabbi Yehuda, when he wants, speaks like a chacham. He and a chacham means that he gives the deep reason for things. And of course, that conversation, that statement that he said, how pleasant are the actions of the Goyim, of the, of the Romans, that look at the, the results that they do. Yeah, but that's not a chacham. That, that's a statement that every regular guy in the marketplace is saying. Rabbi Huda, as a chacham, was certainly thinking that these people are selfish, are destructive, are hijacking the entirety of humanity in the wrong direction, like Rabbi Shimon said. 
But Rabbi Yehuda understood also that he was in the presence of Yehuda ben Gerim, of a simple man, the son of converts, who was almost certainly a convert from the Romans. And so he wanted to say something that he should be able to relate to him. He wanted to say something pleasant, something that would establish a relationship, a, a communication. And that's why, in the end, he was the Rosh HaMedabram B'Kol Mokam. The beginning of every conversation, the beginning of every, of every, of every asifa, of every, of every gathering, of every, of every interaction, has to be words that everyone can relate to, can appreciate, to establish that connection, that relationship. And that's, of course, because Rabbi Yehuda understood, like he told us earlier, that the reason why people die from Askara is because of Loshan Hara. It means when I use my language in a, in a, in a hurtful way, in a way that is not pleasant, is not, is not nice. Now, like we said, the Talmud of Rabbi Akiva has to think that they actually spoke Loshan Hara and this said their eyes in the Torah. But they certainly did not speak words that the other found pleasing. So Rabbi Yehuda made a rule that whoever he would speak to, he would speak words that are pleasing. Words that the person will find attractive and establish a relationship. Now, with a Chacham, that could, that could be words of Chachma. But with a non-Chacham, it could be words that were not words of Chachma. So Rabbi Huda is described as a Chacham Lekeshe To be the chief rabbi of Israel, you have to be a Chacham when you want to be, but when you want to be, you have to, you have to know how to not be a Chacham. How to not say things that are deep that other people are not going to be able to relate to. How to say the simple things that a Chacham would never say. But this is what it takes to create a relationship with this person. That's what Rabbi Yehuda did, and that's why he became Rosh Hashanah called Makam, and that's how he saved himself from Askara. Rabbi Yossi took a different approach. Rabbi Yossi, Nimuko Imo, literal translation means his depth is with him, which means I have a deep thing to say, like he did in that, in that, in that situation with Yehuda ben Gerim. And he kept the depth with himself. Which means Rabbi, Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi would not do what Rabbi Yehuda did, which was to speak like a non-chacham. That he would never do. He would never say something that's not words of chachmah. He would never say a superficial understanding of something. But his depth that he did have, he kept with him. Means he kept it to himself. Unless, of course, he felt that there was someone that would certainly be able to relate to it, then he would reveal it. But if he were to say something, you never knew all the things that are happening in his mind, he would keep all that behind, all, he would keep it all back, or maybe he wouldn't say anything at all. And that relates very nicely to Rebiosi's reasoning why people die of Askara, which is that they eat things that are tmeim, things that are not kosher. Why? We, we know when the person eats something that's not kosher, what happens? There's a lack of ability to digest the food on a spiritual level. Right? The, the, there's a physical digestion, there's a spiritual digestion. Spiritually, I have to be able to access this, the, the spiritual powers that are inside the food. And, and, uh, and non-kosher food, you can't do that. So, of course, the Talmud of Rabbi Akiva did not eat non-kosher food. But it means, again, everything coming back to words of Torah, when they would communicate Torah with one another, one would say words of Torah to another that were undigestible to him. I would say an explanation... I would say a revelation of something that I understood to be deep and I understood to be true, but probably if I thought about it, I would understand that you are not yet ready to hear what I have to say. But they would say it anyway, because it's the truth. So, go break your head. And what would happen is when, I would say, when he would say that, so the other guy would say, well... I think you're an idiot. And he wouldn't say it to him out loud, but you have a tzarain for him. You have a nerai. He would say, I don't think this guy is saying the correct Torah of the Rebbe, of, of Rabbi Akiva. And so you have a tzarain for him, and next time he wouldn't be covered with him. So Rabbi Yossi learned, don't eat dvarm tmeim, don't eat non-kosher food, don't eat things, don't give other people things to eat that, that they won't be able to digest. Because if they do, if you do, then they're going to end up dying from Oscar. They're going to end up having a tsar ayin for you, and they're going to end up not being mechabed you, and they're going to and they're going to be and they're going to end up with a terrible end like this. So Rabbi Yossi guarded himself 
by not saying things that other people are going to be able to relate to. Rabbi Yehuda took an approach that I'm going to find something that you can relate to, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say something that, that you'll be able to connect to. And we're going to establish a relationship. Rabbi Yossi wasn't willing, it wasn't his nature, it wasn't Shorsh and the Shama, to, to sometimes be a non So, But he would keep the things to himself. And finally, Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon said the reason for Askara is Bittal Torah. Which means, why is there a miscommunication? Because, answer is because you, didn't, you don't understand, that's why. Or, I don't understand you, that's why. Meaning, miscommunication can be the result of one of three things. One reason for miscommunication is, you say things, ways that we can fix mis- miscommunication, is I th- say things, I make sure to say things to you that you do understand. I communicate in an effective way. I, I can make sure to communicate and say things that you'll be able to relate to. So I establish communication. Second, is I'm careful not to say things that you'll misunderstand. So I stay quiet. And I don't say things that are going to be misunderstood. And the final way to ensure that there should be no miscommunication is to understand the other side. To understand what's being said. And Rabbi Shimon said that if there would be no Bittal Torah, if they would all strive and go deeper and deeper and deeper until they found that inner kernel of truth that unites everything, then they would be able to understand one another. Meaning the cube is only 12 when you haven't reached the center. When you reach the center, then it all becomes one. So Rabbi Shimon said that that's the cause for Askara. And that's what he was careful about. To unite everything and to be a person who is capable of relating to everyone else's Torah. That I can see the depth and the beauty in, in your Torah. And we know the 12 plus 1, of course. 12, the 12 diagonal lines that make up a cube. Diagonal, I mean the 12 lines that make up a cube. And the one, which is the cube itself, the center of the cube, the essence of the cube, the, that unites all of them into 13. 13 is a chad, that's, that's, that's the oneness. Aleph, one, ches, eight, dalad, four, which means the, that's the 13, that's the unity of everything, that's the 12 shvatim and Yaakov Avinu. So Rabbi Shimon's approach was, if we all stay so deep that we connect to the absolute truth of the Torah, then we'll be able to communicate properly. These are, this is just the beginning we wanted to discuss. Number one, what happened with the Talmud of Rabbi Akiva? And the answer is that you're talking about perhaps the most challenging task that people could be faced with. At Maimed Har Sinai, Kalasro stood with Moshe Rabbeinu, and we were Ishechad Bolev Echad, we were absolutely united. But that's relatively easy to do. Because there's Torah Shebech Sav. Torah Shebech Sav, we all have the same Torah Shebech Sav. Like I said, of course, Torah Shebech came with it, Chas Shalom, to say anything different than that. But the expression, the explosion of Torah Shebech that happened with Rabbi Akiva and his Talmudim, that was the, so to speak, uh, a second coming where where the what came down the Chalach Moshe Misinai, now was being revealed, unfolded, unpacked. The zip file was being opened up by Rabbi Akiva and his Talmudim. So now it's a second Maimad Harsina, but now it's Torsha Balpeh. And Torsha Balpeh is much more difficult because Torsha Balpeh means it's my unique way that I learn. Torsha Balpeh is from my perspective, how I understand it. it. Now it becomes so much more unique and customized. Now we have 12 different ways to look at everything. And... It, that's so much more difficult to be united. That's why the Talmud of Rabbi Akiva during this period of preparation for Kabbalah Torah had such a big challenge of being united and they didn't manage to do it. They ended up having a tzaraim for one another. They couldn't relate to the Torah that the other one was saying. Couldn't appreciate the other person. 
couldn't appreciate the greatness of the other person, and therefore had a tzarayin for him, that was the challenge that they had, and that we have the three Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, how each one of them identified what he thought was the main point to be fixed, whether it be the ultimate expression, which is using your mouth for bad, that's Rabbi Yehuda, so he said, I'm going to use it for good, I'm going to make sure to, instead of saying something that's perhaps mildly, tiny bit slightful to the person, instead I'm going to make sure that I'm establishing a relationship with them. I don't want to say something to them that's going to put them off. On the contrary, I want to say something that will establish the relationship with them, even if at the cost of my own Chochmah. Rabbi Yossi said, I have to be careful to never say things that other people are not going to be able to understand so that there's not going to be a miscommunication and they're not going to appreciate my Torah, they're not going to appreciate me and they're going to end up having a Tsar Ein for me. And I'll be Michshel them. And Rabbi Shimon who said, I'm going to dedicate my life, every moment of it, to learning Torah, so that I may sure, so I'll be able to understand everyone's Torah. That I'll be able to unite all the twelve pieces and find that central point, the central central nukuda of Rabbi Akiva's Torah. So that we should be able to all understand one another, appreciate one another, respect one another. And that's how the Tumit Rabbi Akiva were able to, yes, bring down the Torah of Rabbi Akiva to Klausrael. And that's going to be the tremendous holiday one week from today. This week, this coming week, we should be spending thinking about Do I relate? How do I relate to other people's Torah? How do I relate to other people's greatness? Do I cause other people to misunderstand me? Am I toiling in Torah in such a way that will help me and facilitate me to understand the other opinion? This opinion the Gemara says like this. This opinion says more like that. The first one I understand right away. That's why I said that even before we read the Gemara. The other one I have no idea what he's talking about. Right. So now you have to go and you have to break your head to understand that other opinion. Because we understand that the Torah is so rich and so great that it has all these different facets. Bez Hashem should be Zoha to a week of Hachana preparation for Kabbalah Torah. Should be able to celebrate together like Omer. Bez Hashem will continue and we'll try to understand Rabbi Shimon deeper a week from tonight.